Hello everyone, welcome to the DOHS podcast, the Documenta History podcast, which is a bibliotherapy podcast for survivors and victims of sexual and gender-based violence. Here we empathize with victims, we listen to their stories, they use their stories to help other women speak up against abuse, and then we feed them, we feed them poetry because bibliotherapy, you know. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about female genital mutilation because um, the United Nations set aside February 6th. We're still in the month of February. Yes, February 6th as um, the day for zero tolerance to female genital mutilation. What is female genital mutilation? I can't speak on the subject not only because I, you know, I'm well versed in this subject. I've been speaking about it for years, but I am also a victim. I'm a victim of female genital mutilation. Uh, let's say I'm a survivor, <laughs> trying to find my way around it, but it's still there. It never goes away. It's permanently with you. Yes, I have my scar to show for it. So I'm speaking as a victim. I'm speaking as um an advocate for ending female genital mutilation. Yes, so what is female genital mutilation? It is the partial or total removal of the external female genitalia or the injury to the female genital organs for non-medical purpose. More than 200 million women and girls have undergone female genital mutilation. It's usually done between infancy to age 15 and you know some also go through it as adults whether forced or voluntarily so what are the types of female genital mutilation type 1 we have um, clitoridectomy that is the partial or total removal of the clitoris this is what I have type 1 that was what I went through but it's so far back that it was done to me as an infant. I don't remember it. I don't know what it was like. All I know is that I had an hound, a great hound, that someone in the village um, who, who performs it. She's like the local surgeon. She has all these capels she puts into fire, just to, you know, sterilize her <laughs> utensils. Ah, let's not go there. Okay. Type two, excision. This is the removal of the clitoris plus the labia, the labia minora. That's the inner folds of the vulva. Type 3, infibulation. That is the narrowing of the vagina opening coming down through, um, you know, creating a covering seal for the vagina. It's uh, a very descriptive process that they remove some part of the vagina and then sew it up and you know just make the opening very 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 little type 4 type 4 just covers every other type of female genital mutilation in the book maybe incising piercing cauterizing the genital area and so much more so this harmful practices against women has no health benefits, only harm. Now, girls who undergo female genital mutilation face short-term complications such as severe excruciating pain, 
shock, wound, wound formation, excessive bleeding, infection, like urinary tract infection, fever, septicemia, difficulty passing urine. That, yes, that, that is, is a factor when female genital mutilation is being performed. You know, it could be due to hemorrhage or septic shock. You know, you also have anemia, tubal factor infertility, scarring, pelvic infection, irregular bleeding, vagina discharge, complications in childbirth. I had this when I had my first child. It couldn't explain anything to me why the baby wasn't coming out even though long ago due. My water had broken. No, um, what's it called? No, whoa, I'm forgetting the word. Contractions. Nothing could explain it for a very long time. Until someone explained this to me later, like, you know, maybe my tissue had scarred. Like, it, it, uh, there was an explanation that was related to female genital mutilation. Anyway, I can explain. But, you know, most of all these things that I have mentioned, I have experienced it. I experience it still, like long-term consequences on 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 victim sexual and, and 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 mental health and on their reproductive health as well. You know, pain during intercourse, less sexual satisfaction, mental health issues, depression, depression, anxiety, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder so many consequences that victims we experienced and still experiencing experiencing right now experiencing pardon me so what am i trying to say it is this is a plain violation of of the fundamental fundamental human rights of women and girls and it should be discouraged should be avoided should be avoided you know by any means possible it's a gender equality issue because it also opens door the door to wider discussion and, and can be a catalyst for change it's it's just a social construct you know that was put up by people for reasons best known to them because there's no reason why anybody should do something that would make this all these consequences happen to people. I didn't know that these things happen. That's why we have, you know, so many barriers. What are the barriers to stop female genital mutilation? Barriers to stopping female genital mutilation. Um, let's see. Perception about health risk of female genital mutilation. Would we say? that these people do not know about the health risks, the cultural value given it, maybe to maintain female dignity. No. It doesn't work that way. You don't, you do not have the, what is it called? Women are supposed to have the agency the right to be able to say no this cannot happen to my body women and girls now you don't say you don't help help another person to maintain their dignity how do you do that why don't you let them do it themselves and guess what 
that dignity, it's a lie. Let me speak in Nigerian parlance now. There's something where you think, say, it help prevent. You know, they prevent them. Because person will not feel something. Where they hear, saying that's also now how people they feel when this thing they happen to them be this. You go one, go test them another place. Test them, I don't feel them. Test them another place. Test them another place. I lie, you know, they maintain a lead. I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> Let's go on. <laughs> Influence from peers, family, and the society. You know, people have learned themselves as the, the the keeper of traditions. And so, therefore, because this thing was done to your grandmother, it must it was done to your mother, it must be done to you, it must be done to your child. I have a friend that I recently got to know that she still, you know, enlisted the help of her mother in 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 they call it circumcision. They didn't want to call it female genital mutilation, but that's what it is. That she 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 enlisted the help of her mother in um, circumcising a child. I'm like, how in in this century? In what age do you do this? Like, oh, her mom did it. It was done to her, and she also, you know, the tradition. And you went to school. You are exposed, and you you know about you know what you experience. How do you make another human being go through that? You know, sometimes I don't even know how to say this. I've written poems about this that I read in different places. Poems that were, you know, the um, the experiences of victims that I put together and, and, and read. And this person has even listened to it. I've written an open letter. In fact, I wrote an open letter to my mother about why she had me go through such. Fortunately, my mother is now a, a crusader, a, you know, against female genital mutilation. She, she is um, a counselor and she goes to some schools and, and speaks about this. Let the girls know that they have bodily autonomy. What can that change? What has happened to me? No. <laughs> but I mean, she's trying. So, but why would someone still go make their daughter go through this? Why? And why? I mean, if I know that a factor for this is low maternal education status, that's why we must educate girls. You know, another factor: child marriage. You know, some people say it's a prerequisite for marriage. I know about my nanny told me about a woman who who. Who married a man that they must go through this thing in their family. Excuse me, they must go through female genital mutilation. The, the, the females in his family, they, they all went through it. So when she married, she's like, no, that's not the culture in my place. That's not the tradition where I come from. It's not our culture. So she refused it. And then she gave birth the first time and the child died. You know, I think, um, it may be a premature birth or something was wrong, you know, during the process of birthing. But she gave birth twice. I think she had um, a stillbirth once and then the other one, she gave birth and the child died. Guess what? They said it was due to the fact that she wasn't circumcised. 
So as, as old as she was and adults, they took her to go and circumcise her. They performed female genital mutilation on her. Oh my goodness, I don't know how to say this. That, that was the reason why that um, once the child, the, the head of the child touches the clitoral wood in their family, the child must die. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that myth. That very, very mischievous reason. And as an adult, they held her down and mutilated her. And you know how this myth comes to be fact? For some reason, the next time she gave birth, I mean, I, 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 I told them to go and ask, are you sure she wasn't going to the hospital the first time and the second time? Maybe she wasn't taking her meds or maybe something went wrong. Because this time around, when she gave birth, the child didn't die. And everybody said, oh, so this is the reason why they said they should do this. That means this thing is very important. And guess what happened to all the females, the remaining females, the in-laws, the um, cousins, everybody in that family that had not gone through um, female genital mutilation initially. Yeah, you guessed right. They cut them all. Blades to their clits. That's what they did. See how dangerous this thing is? even as an adult you know how painful how traumatizing that could be my goodness anyways let's move on let's go to how can we protect girls from female genital mutilation how can we end this let's flip the script you know those traditional rulers those keepers of those custodians of, 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 of culture let's take this battle to them just enlist their help especially men you know you, you change the tradition with support of the older generations you speak to them about it you educate girls on their right to decide what happens to their bodies we do that we have you know an education sensitization we do that in schools but you know we discover that it's not just about this ones. This is who ones don't even have their tongue. They can't even speak for themselves. They're little girls. When something is to happen to them, they don't even know what to do to, you know, once they refuse, it's another story. So then we decided, okay, let's take it to these people. Currently, I, I, I had myself and some partners, some advocates we were involved in you know taking this sensitization to several places we have one coming up um a market sensitization sensitization rally on female genital mutilation in um it's supposed to be in k2 markets in lagos first and then in a market um but we had financial challenges <laughs> We couldn't meet up um, um, for some reasons. The markets were uncooperative. We needed to do um, a place by ourselves. You know, put the banner, put the canopy, pictures, get public address system, then refreshments for all participants, and blah 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 blah. So we had to put it on hold. Would have loved to, you know, hit the markets this Saturday, but you see, and that's one of the things that people can do to help stop female gender mutilation. You fund and support frontline activists. 
people who are taking the battle against human rights violation to the places that it needs to go support them and i'll have a little way you can you can volunteer you can donate you know anyways try to sway community leaders um, religious and traditional leaders. I call them twin of springs of oppression. We have a poem that I'm going to read shortly now <laughs> about this practice. Spread understanding that religion does not demand it. There's nowhere in the Bible or in the Quran that says that you must circumcise your female child. No. There's no way, this is not demanded anywhere. Traditional religion, any religion, so to speak. Just speak about the risk and realities of female genital mutilation. Let them know that if they are doing this, this is what they are bringing on these women and girls. In conclusion, so that I can have time to read my poem, female genital mutilation is a human rights violation, human rights violation. It is a means of perpetuating inequality between the classes. It is a public health issue and it's a substantial economic burden. I read on the WHO um, website that it costs um, health system $1.4 billion due to health complications arising from the practice. And it can be avoided through all the effective strategies, the effective strategies that we have put up. So, and also in Nigeria, female genital mutilation. It's persecutable. If you see somebody, you know, practicing the hard reports at the police station and insist, it's in the VAP Act 2015, the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act 2015. It's jailable by two years. And um, although there's an option of 200,000 or 300,000, I don't like that. But, you know, if we speak about this, if it will stop spreading. It is because people say, oh, he did it for his daughter. She did it for her daughter. So, what's my business that this act continues to be perpetuated? Perpetuated. So it's not right. It is an evil practice. It is an harmful practice against women and girls. Please speak up against female genital mutilation. Um, report any issue, any act of female genital mutilation to us on the DHS podcast. Our numbers are on our website. Please, we will take it up. And also. We would like to keep thanking our sponsors, the Gostain Center for Human Rights at the University of Nebraska in Omaha. And also, we would also solicit for my help, especially in curbing this practice of female genital mutilation. Um, oh my God, I forgot to mention my name. I'm Olaladi Ajayi, the host of the DOHS podcast, and yes, a survivor of female genital mutilation. Trying to find her head above the water, writing poems about it, doing advocacy visits um, to different places about it, just so to, you know, manage my trauma. Do you want to tell me sorry? Anyways, let me read my poem. Two enough springs of oppression. I asked, I asked myself, when my cleat was slit, was God blindsided? When my blood rushed to the surface and supported on the local surgeon's arms, was faith suspended? 
when I'm rigid lying beside my partner? Do you wonder why I think? Do you wonder why I think about that locally sharpened scrap scalpel? Do you wonder why I think about that locally sharpened scalpel? Cut! Similar to a post-judgment call. Cut! My destiny is in the hands of tradition, of traditional and religious judges, twin offsprings of oppression. We tremble no more after the vivid, aggressive, action-filled nightmares. It's morning, and we will mutilate them in revenge with the liberation of our voices, where purveyors of abscission must not exist. For this is our period, and we shall not. And we, this is our period, and we shall stain the facade of patriarchy. Period. Thank you. Um. Our website www.dohspodcast.com. Our social media handles, please follow us at DOHS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. Um, would like to partner or sponsor, or would like sponsors to also contact us so as to be able to achieve all our aims for this year, especially in tackling. Um, gender-based violence, sexual and gender-based violence in every hand. We thank you. Keep listening. Keep spreading the word to hand violence. Speak up against abuse. Bye from the DOHS podcast.